0: Hey, good morning, everybody. This is our uh, D-O-W-L, Diocese Lansing, D-O-L-W, Watcher Podcast. This is the 27th, and this is going to be, I believe, uh, our podcast number 49. We had a teaching podcast number 48. So the last, we're picking up from 47. So I'm going to pour me a cup of coffee, going to make me a cup of coffee. We're working. Uh, on the model of uh, some of the Catholics that we admire, which is a little bit before work in the morning, we do a little bit after the work or on our lunch hour. So, this is bits and pieces. And, uh, I simply want to, uh, as a watcher community, we're learning, and uh, we have about four or five. So, the one some of them are DOLW, some of them are DOWL, uh, DO Diocese. So, I, uh, Not too into worrying about that. But I want to let you know, anybody can do this. We're following the little flower in the ordinary effort. We make mistakes, and we want you to see those mistakes so that you're encouraged to do it. The little flower says, in my little way, there are only ordinary things. Little souls must be able to do all that I do. That's the little flower. We're finding that we have incompetent victims without a voice, expression cries of distress with... Underdeveloped ideas. I call that Carmel Teresa of Davison. But uh, night was it 2021, so we're quoting one of our other individuals. And we have uh, a man that's out for, he's a cardinal, Cardinal Stefan Wazinski of Poland. He's out for canonization. His prison diary reads I was of the opinion that the modern world needed another kind of martyrdom, the martyrdom of work, not of blood. So that's what we do. Just simple write letters, simply talk. And uh, we encourage you to do so. And uh, don't be concerned about responses. Okay, uh, I'll develop that later on. As be more concerned about witnessing. Get, get, get the witness out there. That's what Soldier did, and that's what uh, our uh, beloved author here, Randy Angles, did. Just get the witness out there, and uh, that's important. And so we're going to be on page eight ten, but we write for the Carmel brand. So I want to share with you some uh, thoughts that John of the Cross tells us, because it's almost like when we're reading some of these things, they're if if, the Catholic Church believes that our souls are noble and that we're called for union with God, and if you understand, there's a way to that union. And that there are certain saints that have been looked at as experts in this area. John of the Cross is one, a doctor of mystical theology. Called His teachings were called the Teaching Magisterium by uh, the great St. John Paul II. So, I, Murderopolis comes to mind. When we're reading about this, these facts matter because they drive an agenda. What is the agenda? They're murdering souls. They're murdering operations of God who's trying to diffuse into his creation, into his church. And you could be like social weather stations. and You can just see this going out there. So, but I'm finding out what's the relevance. Well, it starts with reality in the Catholic faith. But consider what John the Cross says in book one, The Ascent of Mount Carmel at page 102. And 103, where he's teaching individuals how to draw closer to God, what to seek. And he says, many blessings flow from the, I'm quoting John the Cross. This is the 1979 volume. And these men at ICS publications, uh, somewhere later on translations get edited. They get sanitized. I don't know what it is, but I'm going from the 79 volume, 1979 volume. Many blessings flow, this is number five, page 102. Many blessings flow from the harmony and tranquility of the four natural passions, joy, hope, fear, and sorrow. The following maxims contain a complete remedy for mortifying and pacifying the passions. If put into practice, these maxims will give rise to an abundant merit and great virtues. Then he goes into number six. (coughs) Endeavor to be inclined always, not to the easiest but to the most difficult not to the most delightful but to the most but to the hardest not to the most gratifying but to the less pleasant not to what means rest for you but to hard work not to consoling but to the unconsoling not to the most but to the least not to the highest and most precious but to the lowest and most despised Not to wanting something, but to wanting nothing. Do not go about looking for the best of temporal things, but for the worst. And desire to enter for Christ into complete nudity, emptiness, and poverty in everything in the world. He talks about this. This is as you're beginning this ascent of Mount Carmel, going through the purgative stage. Remember, there's three. The purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive. This is pretty simple. Read these men who uh, are leaders in the church. And uh, Randy Angles is, is painting you a picture of reality. 17 years of work, and they're trying to silence her. So that factor alone uh, is why uh, they don't want her known. I'm going to make her known. But I want to let you know, it's just not, they're going to say, psychologically it's based on vengeance and anger well you know the opposite side in terms of psychology and think of a seesaw when we were kids angers on one side they say it's a negative passion a negative it's not necessarily negative our saints talk about that but i'm going to put that aside the opposite there is that can look like anger that's positive is disgust even in the maps of knowledge that the psychologist uses they will have this like uh, axes they call them uh, spectrums you have anger is supposed to be negative not necessarily but they say that in general for our purposes on the opposite side is disgust so you are wired for disgust you're supposed it's positive they'll admit that you're supposed to be disgusted about certain things this brings disgust And, and for me anger too that that this goes on that they would silence the voice of Randy Angle, tried to silence it, when we see John of the Cross tells us, endeavor to be inclined always, not to the easiest, but to the most difficult. This is difficult. Take some time every day, and uh, you go ahead and you put that voice out there. And the voice remains unknown and unloved. Later on, John of the Cross will talk about that. That's just like Jesus Christ. John the Cross decided to, wanted to die like Jesus Christ, unknown and unloved. And Jesus was a criminal. And some commentators have said, do you realize that when Christ died, the first person to heaven was a criminal, crucified with him? Do you realize as he's going through his passion and entering heaven, the first person to go to hell is one of his clergy, Judas, an apostle. Think about that and think about how, how, why they cannot follow John of the cross's teaching magisterium and discuss this, these murders that go on in a church when you destroy souls. Francis tells us being cold hearted, Cold-shouldering is murder in the heart. They're destroying. Some of these men that they victimized, that they had sex with, have committed suicide. Where are the where are the recognitions in, the 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 rights to bury these folks? This is about volume four, the right of sodomy, and we're at Randy Angle's eight one zero. Where where's where is the reality at? the structure of reality justice is a structure of reality you never put to death innocence that's wrong I mean, let me just I'm getting oriented here let me get my cup of coffee over here and uh, we're going to start reading I need a little sip of something but I encourage you to do the same thing they, they, they're just we get no support no encouragement, no affirmation from uh, the local clergy, and you'll do best in your own diocese, in your own parish to raise questions, and they don't want these questions raised. They they cannot handle the truth. Now, as we're going along and we begin to get targeted, we we morph, we just say to folks, be careful, clergy, if you support us, don't support us openly because they'll do to you what they've done to us, the powers that be. And we had... Clergy that do good things in our diocese, say certain things, and get sent off to psychological counseling. We get men in seminary, good men, prepared to be ordained, and they say, "You guys have to shut up, or you won't be ordained." And and some shut up, some don't. We lose men. Give me a give me a moment here to step across the office, and I'm going to get uh, I'm going to walk four feet and get my coffee cup. I mean, you should know before they did the podcast, I do pray. And that's important. Don't give up praying for any reason. It's the lifeblood. And uh, we'll say a, a small prayer for the souls that were destroyed by these clergy, these clergy leaders and their staff. Descend upon us, O Holy Spirit, and guide us. We pray for the repose of the souls, either this life and this life or the life beyond that were destroyed by wicked clergy, staff that cooperated with them by silence. Their memories are trying to be erased. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. St. Joseph, guide us and protect us. And uh, St. Michael, do your stuff. Protect us too. I want to add that Michael is outside. He's an angel outside the body of Christ. Joseph is inside the body of Christ. Joseph was chosen by Teresa of Avila to be the protector. She asked him to protect Carmel. He is a protector of Carmel. And uh, this is going on in the diocese all this is going on in the religious orders too. So let's pick up Bishop Ted Brown. Todd Brown. Todd D Brown, a classmate of Roger Mahoney, William Lavada and Justin Francis Regali at St. John's Seminary in Camarillo was part of the original gang of 4. After St. John's Seminary, he attended Ryan Seminary in Fresno and later went to Rome to study at the North American College and the Greg in Rome. That's the Gregorian. He was ordained to the priesthood on May 1, 1963 for the Diocese of Monterey and immediately began his career at the Chancery where he served on a number of key posts including Chancellor and Vice Vicar General. Three years after Archbishop Mahoney was installed in Los Angeles, Brown was ordained Bishop of Boise, Idaho by Archbishop William LaVada. When the Diocese of Orange, California opened up in the fall of 1998 with the retirement of Bishop Norman McFarland, Mahoney secured the diocese for his longtime friend. Since Brown was installed as the third Bishop of Orange, the diocese has become more or less an extension of Cardinal Mahoney's clerical empire. The Diocese of Orange exhibits the same pro-homosexual pathologies that dominate the Diocese of Los Angeles. San Francisco, Santa Rosa, and most, if not all, Roman Catholic dioceses in California. While he was Bishop of Boise in the fall state election of 1994, Brown opposed ballot measure Proposition 1, which prohibited the inclusion of specifically homosexual protection acts into Idaho law. Brown said he was against Proposition 1 because it would contribute to attitudes of intolerance and hostility in Idaho directed at homosexual citizens and was potentially discriminatory in february 2000 i'm going to mark that because i'm going to use that in our grievances uh just a minute and uh because they have us drink from this cup and i want to give them the cup back we have grievances going on in the watcher group and uh uh and uh there's lots that our local clergy do. Ask Teresa about this. Uh, ha, has their clergy your bishop ever contributed to an attitude of intolerance and hostility, uh, you know, directed at homosexual citizens who are not clergy or non-homosexual citizens and was potentially discriminatory? We think so. They've cut off food from the hungry in Flint and never replaced it. They, they've taken Teresa and her hubby out of that ministry, and me too never replaced it so i'm gonna put a g1 to mark this so bear with me <coughs> we're not ready for uh, prime time here but this is real live you're seeing how this grows and uh how we pet up <coughs> attitudes of intolerance they're hypocrites and so to honor her miss randy Engels we take this and we try to keep it alive we we apply it in our life okay well this is why they support evil for this basis and now you don't want to support good on the same basis make that claim to your parishioners well they never confront that they're never confronted with that fact so they they bypass it and they don't know what to do the reason they got to get rid of you guys is because randy engel says earlier in the area of this book that in 1961 the vatican told him don't ordain men who are weak who are marginal men well these men that have been ordained and they they said don't go for quantity go for quality well they don't know how to respond that's why they, they just get rid of you they do a franciscan murder or they nest in the community they cannot stand commerce and intellectual ideas commerce and intellectual ideas is to say wait a minute what you're doing is against church law they almost give you the the middle finger what you're doing is against common sense. It's wrong. They just ignore you because you don't have power and you don't have money. So if you don't have power and money, that's the coin of the realm. We want to rub it in their face. We want to remind them about that. You guys, this is your, this is what you've decided and now you're whining because 20% of the people have left the Catholic faith. 80% of the people have left. Big surprise to us. We knew that. You know, we knew that. Truth attracts sin disease is disgusting and that's what we're talking about a disease in the catholic church in february 2000 during california's heated debate now remember think about what we said earlier in the tape about what john of the cross says you're supposed to be doing the way and the life to perfection you know what if people listen to jesus christ and actually transform and become saints they're brides do you think the bride of christ a lay person And the most important thing is to become holy, not to be a bishop. Do you think one of these holy people who are brides of God, who God has married, they're happy with this stuff? I don't think so. In February 2000, during California's heated debate on Proposition 22 that banned homosexual marriage, Brown publicized two articles on the measure by Father Gerald D. Coleman, Rector of St. Patrick's Seminary in Menlo Park, San Francisco. Although Coleman said he supported Proposition 22, he nevertheless argued some homosexual persons have shown that it is possible to enter into long-term committed and loving relationships, sometimes referred to as domestic partnerships. On the subject of criminal pederasty, Coleman said, psychosexual education and open dialogue are among the best ways to prevent inappropriate sexual behavior. This is an interesting comment at St. Patrick's Seminary as the reputation this is an interesting comment, as St. Patrick's Seminary has the reputation of being another pink palace. My response to that through John of the Cross was, so what? You guys are to have love and appetites on God alone, not anything else. God is to fulfill your, your desire, the, the, the tranquility, the four uh, natural passions, joy, hope, fear, and sorrow. You're to take joy only in God, not in a sexual partner, male or female. You're to you're to take, you're to hope only in the union with God. You're to fear the loss of God and fear and sorrow in the loss of God. Uh, take sorrow in the loss of God. Sorrow is fear the loss of God. Fear is, fear is directed towards the future. Sorrow is the present. So you've lost something. Where is that on these the radar screen? These are men who, by their promises, by their job description, have said, "I'm leaving behind all." To serve God as a priest of God. You know, th- that means something. Now, and and they have gone, con- look, they've cheated on God, and they sure as hell will cheat on you. And how do they cheat? Probably taking money. Probably, uh, uh, d- well, what did the Cardinals say? Uh, Vigano and Cardinal, um, let me look over here. Mueller say they destroy community, and they destroy Catholic doctrine. They're robbing the people of community and doctrine. And that's what we've experienced. We've experienced a robbing. Ask Teresa. We've experienced a a stealing of Catholic community and a stealing of Catholic doctrine. And so what do we do? We go up and we, we appeal that. You think there's a capacity... In the church at the at the diocesan level or at the diacastry of laity, family, and life, we haven't seen it. We're testing it. We're probing it like a physician to see do they have any capacity to respond to either preventing the death of innocence or uh, reviving, bringing back uh, after innocence has been died, killed, murdered, innocence dies. Bringing it back to life, they can't. They're they're silent. They lack that capacity. Hell, our bishop has outsourced his police power to the state. He says, call 911 if you got a problem. Call 911. That is an admission, in my mind, and in most people's minds, that his ability to govern and protect you and I from these men is lacking. Something. Let me continue. Although our, Bishop Brown has not been moved by diocesan priests. Living openly as homosexual clerics and flouting their vows of chastity. He has been moved at by the high cost of he has been moved by the high cost of homosexual patristry in the diocese of Orange. Okay, that means that it's costing money. He's motivated by money. And I have had this discussion with Teresa. Let me read this. Although Brown has not been moved by diocesan priests living openly as homosexual clerics and flouting their vows of chastity. He has been moved by the high cost of homosexual paternity in the diocese, diocese of Orange. You get your hand in their pocket, on their wallet, their hearts and minds will follow. That's why I advocate close that money pit. That's why I advocate you move the money. You, they want your money, you bargain with them. I want you to be chased. I want you to pay for your own sex. I'm tired of paying for your sex vows of chastity go back to john the cross why is there a vow of chastity why is there a vow of poverty chastity and obedience in, in in the clergy what particularly religious orders consecrated life folks there's it goes back to the teachings of jesus christ to beatitudes okay this is a means to god is trying to be diffusive he is diffusive by his nature And so what opens us up to receive that diffusion to make us more receptive? One of the saints, uh, who was it that was at EW10 that gave some good talks on John of the Cross? Father Dubé, Father Thomas Dubé would talk constantly about this one saint said, uh, you know, make me a capacity and and I become a capacity for God and God, torrents of God will flow in well that's in the human being but it's also in the juridical entity the entity of your parish and your diocese so if you're suffering make yourself a capacity and god will flow in so when you knock on the door of the bishop and there's no answer when we go to the acro street talk to alex father alexander and we got to do it in writing and the writing is going to cost us eight hundred and fifty dollars to get a canon lawyer to do it and they can't talk about is that a capacity Is that a capacity where they're opening up so they can receive God in the form of truth, in the form of reports that innocence has died, that this is murderopolis going on? No. Well, we're going to drill deeper on that, and we're developing our capacity to talk about that. So let me continue. In August 2001, Cardinal Mahoney and Bishop Brown agreed to pay Three, five, uh, $5.2 million to settle a sex abuse lawsuit against Monsignor Michael Harris, the former principal of Santa Margarita, Margarita Catholic High School from 1987 to 1994. Harris, dubbed Mr. Hollywood because of his good looks, is alleged to have molested at least five teenage boys who came to him for spiritual counseling. Harris was removed from the active priesthood in 1994 and was laicized in 2001. $5.2 million. What we're going to try to advocate for, we got to develop this, and I, you pray about this, is uh, <clears throat> we'd like to approach people who have these million-dollar settlements. Oftentimes, they, they don't want all the money. They want compensation. Their lawyer gets paid, gets a third of what they get in most circumstances. Maybe more or less, depends, plus their costs. What we'd like to say is, hey, do you need all that $5.2 million? Why don't, when you bargain for a settlement we're going to create a Catholic marketplace and we're going to say you can go to it. And if you want change, these are the people that want change. And this is the change they want in their parish in our own parish, Holy Redeemer here in Michigan. we like the crucifix, the cross, the large one that we put, we lay it, put in the front of the church, they removed and put it in the back. We want it returned. So if some guys has a lawsuit for $5 million against Cardinal Mahoney and Bishop Brown, I think they're heavyweights in the church, and you've got them in the crosshairs, and you're going to negotiate a settlement with them. Think about the Catholic marketplace. Think about some of the good things you can do to restore, to disturb and distract the homosexual lobby from their sexual orientation to the orientation of God to try to rebuild the doctrine and community they destroyed. Okay. Think about that. I just ask you to think about that. Uh, I'd like to get the right to sodomy in every parish. You know, they have, last I knew this is information 20 years old, but our people, our priests had a budget of $800 that they could use on library expenses for their own purposes to educate them. And, uh, they're not going to, a lot of this, they're not going to do unless it's imposed upon them and there's ways these lawyers are creative you go to your lawyer and you've got a million dollar lawsuit you say let's go to the catholic i gotta put a website up give you these ideas but this is a pot boiling on the back burner give you these ideas the right of sodomy homosexuality in the roman catholic church volume four say listen i think we should have that in every parish of our diocese or better yet it'd be taught as a course particularly why she's still alive randy Engel, mandatory course a survey course on corruption in the catholic church and this can be the course book make it the course book you can negotiate look if these guys are looking at millions of dollars and they can save a little bit and they can avoid prison and they can plea bargain and you can negotiate with them think about that think about your options you know so let me continue On December the 3rd, 2004, Bishop Brown announced that the Diocese of Orange had reached an undisclosed settlement with 87 plaintiffs who had been sexually abused by 30 diocesan priests and about a dozen church employees. The amount is believed to exceed $85 million record payment by an American diocese. Now, there's a lot of good that can come of that. And so they've got, uh, you've got 87 plaintiffs, And they think it was 85 million. Think about what you could do if if you could say, when you're negotiating that 85 million, say, listen, maybe we need only 80 million. And uh and we will give you uh, or they also when they're when these clergy ask for what they call non-disclosure agreements, you ask the lawyers, they have to pay for them. So they're gonna settle for a hundred million uh 80 85 million but if you want non-disclosure you want us not to talk about it we want more negotiate use your voice to get out there and say hey we'll give you a discount what do you give us if we reduce the demand for five million we want in the seminaries of california randy angle as a mandatory course rub their noses in it they don't have it's going to be imposed upon them and in this case, Bishop Brown and Cardinal Mahoney at that time in the church, there's going to be movers and shakers. They can impose their will. They know how to make that happen. They know how to make that happen. They got friendships. There's a lobby going on. We want to lobby back. We as laity want to lobby back and say, listen, you have destroyed community. You have destroyed Catholic doctrine and you've destroyed lives. So you're paying a penalty for the destroyed lives of these individuals because of your sexual appetites, because you failed to follow John of the Cross's uh, admonitions, his teaching magisterium. You failed to do that. You know what? How about paying for the pain, but also paying to re, uh, acts, take acts to restore community and doctrine. You can do that. Let me have a sip of coffee here. That heartbeat, by the way, is is to tell us that we're alive. Stalingrad, during during World War II, when they were under siege, they would always let the people know we're alive. That heartbeat, I'm telling to those monster clergy that we're alive, they've done everything they can to erase the memory, uh, uh, that they they were raised to speaking, and they want to talk about healing now without speaking. Nonsense, and uh so that heartbeats to tell them we're alive, we're here, and we're not going away. You take us out, somebody else will pop up you know it it's not you you don't have a lot need to have a lot of brains to read this Randy Engel. Don't worry about getting sued for copyright. She's not going to sue you for copyright. This is your commentary. the laws don't support that lawsuit. Plus if, and I wouldn't inundate her with lots and lots of letters. Look, she's got a family and, uh, nobody had, we didn't go through any special call her up and say, Hey, listen, she's probably honored that we do this. We pray for her. She's our elder sister. If she calls us to say, Hey, take that stuff away. Not a problem. She's not going to do that. She's in love with the church, with the Catholic faith in God. You can tell when she's writing, she's trying to defend it. 17 years. And, uh, and I will guarantee you there's a lot of motivation to take her out, to erase her voice. You know, and, and I'm just having a sip of coffee before I go on. I'm helping my voice out here. And uh, I had a comment for Teresa because uh, we've we've got to get these back when we do these together because there's good comments. She will tell you that we have witnessed the destruction of community. I don't care what the clergy say. We have witnessed it. We have seen community destroyed by clergy and the, and their staff. We have seen doctrine, Catholic doctrine, destroyed by community. And we have seen, when Francis says, no matter what you think about Pope Francis, he talks about nesting, that it's wrong to nest. We've seen that happen. That's what I would call holyredeemerburton.org. I'll do a separate one on nesting, but I've got to stay focused on this Randy Engel. We've got to get that out there. Let me have a sip of coffee here. Now, you know, and uh, keep in mind, you can be retired, you can be working, you don't have to have, this is, they want a war of experts, they want you thinking that you're not an expert, they will handle it, and they have uh, labeled Teresa as dumb, stupid, she'll tell you the story, and they've said that, uh, stay away from Mike, because he's mentally ill. I mean, they'll do whatever they can, they're trying to destroy my character, you know, I work amongst the public, and they want to erode that character. And that's my take on that. And they won't invite me to these meetings where they attack me. They won't invite you either. But just onesies and twosies, reading the book, you can do that. You can be a voice. And when you start using your voice, what's going to happen is they'll start treating you bad. Remember, they were ordained. And our saints, will go, there's lots of saints. There's just so much we can get out there. There's, and I almost feel like I'm a low-info Catholic. I am, because they don't t- tell you about the saints teaching that there are certain men who should never be ordained. There are men who are ordained that lo- have lost the divine vocation. And there are men who are ordained that are, that are monsters. Francis, no matter what you say about Pope Francis, has said, priests can be little monsters. You know, so they don't talk about that. That's helpful because if you are being murdered in the sense that Pope Francis calls it, meaning they cold shoulder you, they isolate you from community. While you're isolated, they begin to gossip about you, a whispers campaign. Then when you want to come back, they withhold you from coming back. They remove you and then they isolate you. They keep you out there. Ice station zebra. That's where you're going to be at. And then they act, oh, shucks, what's going on here? There's not that they don't know. And then, oh, that guy's just a complainer. That guy's just a, got a, a vendetta, a vengeance. You know? How about how about thinking about it this way? That person is witnessing, witnessing to truth and reality. How about this? You guys have destroyed structures of reality. How about this? All the traditional wisdoms of mankind, going way back, are are united on this fact: to destroy, to kill an innocent man is wrong. How about this? Jordan Peterson says that uh our conscience imposes itself on our will it does we don't ask for it it imposes us there's a higher mode of existence your conscience tells you that that's the great ought i should be doing this and i'm not these this, this is obvious that this stuff shouldn't be going on and why they don't want to talk about it why they don't want voices talking about it, they don't know what to de- how to deal with it they want to get it behind and they'll say, "Oh, this is a one-off," or "Oh, it was always like that way," or "Oh, nonsense." Uh, then let us talk about it. They don't want it even talked about. Let's talk, focus on healing. Speaking is healing. You remember that? Speaking is healing. So I got, I've got, uh, I've, got uh, I've got my my timer on, so I know where I'm at a lot better on my time. So we're at eight eleven, and we have Bishop Daniel Ryan, Diocese of Springfield, Illinois. I'd like to go into him. Go into this discussion, and uh, it's page eight eleven. The case against Daniel Bishop Daniel Leo Ryan is one of the best documented homosexual scandals involving a bishop of the American hierarchy. Roman Catholic Faithful has produced volumes of testimony including eyewitness accounts that expose Ryan as a predatory homosexual prelate and a corrupter of priests in his care. Nevertheless, Bishop Ryan is still officially listed as Bishop Emeritus of the Springfield Diocese. Roman Catholic Faithful, the guy behind that, uh, I've met. I think they've got a pizza shop. His wife holds that down. The kids have that. And... He would encourage you. Uh, I'm just giving you my my uh, experience talking to him. He would talk about how he he wrote and he would he was writing a book or something, send it into the editors. He's just he's just like a common person that was looking at stuff and saying this is wrong. So he wrote the word rough. Uh, R U F F like rough, rough in a dog. The editor said, Do you kinda mean R O U G H like rough time? He said, Oh yeah. So you know, you, you don't have to be a perfect writer and a perfect speaker. That's his message. Just be a voice, you know, a, a voice of Catholic faithful. You don't have to be an expert. They want it to be a war of experts because they want your voice excluded. And you can simply say, this is what I witnessed, it, and I want to read and keep her voice going. If You, you can start off keeping her voice go, go, going. And say, this is what she say, what do you think about it? And read another page. This is what she say, this is what I think about Let me give you another example. Joan Carol Cruz, OCD. She's a Carmelite. She's passed. Keep her in your prayers. Uh, and, and, And she wrote The Incorruptibles. I interviewed her. I talked to her. I'm with the Carmelites. I'm in, I think, Louisiana. At a Congress of Carmelites. I meet her, and she talks about how she developed that book. She's a mother. She's a wife. At, at the dinner table, after the evening meal, she would write a little bit. And, she, and if my memory serves me right, she would walk down, I think like a couple blocks down to the public library to do research. And she wrote letters to Rome and to religious orders, asking them for information on these saints. Once she got it compiled, she submitted it. In my memory, is at least 50 times. It's probably closer to 75, 80, but I'm going to be conservative. 50 times she was rejected. Nobody was interested in her book called The Incorruptibles. Finally, it got picked up by a publisher, and it became a bestseller. I bought several copies. The Incorruptibles by Joan Carol Cruz. Now, don't expect support is my point. Take baby steps is my point you don't have to speak well is my point you don't have to be able to write well and spell well is my point you can staff your weaknesses that's what the roman catholic faithful guys say you can staff your weaknesses and 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 uh you can get a speller i work with uh aging individuals and i get to ask this question um What's the best place for me to age? How do I age? Do I go to Florida? These are, we're in Michigan. Do I stay in Michigan? Do I, uh, here's the answer from the literature that I'm familiar with. You age best around your caring environment. Now, if that's in Florida, you can go to Florida. If it's your church, it's your church. If it's your family, if it's Kiwanis, you age best around a caring environment. Knowing that, if you care about Jesus Christ, if you care about the things of God, you're going to do well because you might misspell, just like this Roman Catholic faithful, I'd mention his name, but his name escapes me. He's done a lot for the church. He's taken a lot of hits. And, you know, look, he's a little rough around the edges, but, you know, hey, he'd find fault with me. So uh, he may find fault with me or you, but I mean, he's rough around the edges, but we come together. And. You don't have to spell, and you have to care, and I, I, I think he cares, and he tries to do his best, and the opposition, the infection in the church is organized. It is organized, so let me continue. On my, This is one of the most best documented homosexual scandals. On March the 19th, 2002, at the Cathedral of St. Raymond in Joliet, Illinois, on the occasion of the ordination of James E. Fitzgerald as Auxiliary of Joliet, and in the presence of Francis Cardinal George of Chicago and dozens of fellow bishops, the disgraced Ryan acted as a co-consecrator with his protector, Joseph Emesh, Bishop of Joliet, as principal consecrator. The event was witnessed by 80 deacons, 160 priests, and nearly 30 bishops with the Knights of Columbus honor guard, and hundreds of parishioners, ironically, parishioners, period. Ironically, Bishop Amesh's homily included an impromptu prayer for the victims of clerical sex abuse. No incident, it's kind of hypocritical. No incident recounted in this chapter better illustrates the need for a top-to-bottom housecleaning of Am Church than Ryan's official role at the Fitzgerald ordination. Bishop Ryan's climb up the ecclesiastical ladder is a tribute to the power of homosex in opening doors to the corridors of of power within Am Church. Let me talk about that. Most of us have uh, homosexuality in our family. None of them or friends, or clients, or the homeless that we deal with, you know, uh, they're involved this in, people on the street are often involved in prostitution, uh, whether they're gay, lesbian, for food, for water, for shelter. They never ask for the privilege. Not one asks for the privilege that the homosexual clergy have asked for. And The people that we come across are not formed into a lobby. They're inarticulate. They're not that organized. And they don't go to the bishop and say, give me the favors. I want influence. They don't do that. Homosexual clergy do. So don't let them put you off by saying, hey, you know, we get a pass because we're gay and it's politically correct. This has nothing to do with gay. It has to do with gayness and the priesthood. And you want favored treatment. You demand favored treatment. Where does it say I have to pay for your status, for your sex? I don't. Where are you willing to pay for feeding my homeless, who are also oftentimes hungry and they're homosexual? Not one time have they come to our parish to restore masses for the people that they won't say masses for. Our clergy in our parish and the staff have... have. Uh, Cold-shouldered, gotten rid of, I would call Franciscan murdered, Teresa and several others, her husband, myself, kicked out, limited, cold-shouldered. In that sense of the term that Francis uses, nobody stepped up and said, You know, I'm going to have a mass. We can't have masses for H.H. That's a person they got rid of. I'm protector identity, say H.H. We can't have her on the prayer list. Who- whoever heard of that? So, when you hear him them whining you want to say hey why don't you why don't you call up and have a mass for hh there at holy redeemer that ain't gonna happen <coughs> we can't get it done that's disgusting that's disgusting that a nest in a catholic community that's catholic community destroyed and that's doctrine destroyed right there you you're denying access to prayer public prayer that's disgusting so that's this that's this homosexual powerful homosexual, homosexual that Randy Engel talks about. She is documented it. Roman Catholic faithful is saying it exists. And and the powers that be, now let me tell you it's, there are many priests and staff that agree with us they can't say anything because that the lobby is very very powerful. Well we're going to we got to counter our lobby. We're going to be lobbying with them. We'll share that with you. So let me continue. Ryan's early years in Joliet Diocese. Daniel Ryan was born on September the 28th, 1930 in Mankato, Winona, Minnesota, the only son of Leonard and Irene Ryan. His family lived in Springfield, Illinois, from 1943 to 1945. He attended Blessed Sacrament School, a cathedral boys high school for one year, then transferred to the Passionist Preparatory Seminary in Normandy, St. Louis, Missouri. He complete where he completed his high school and junior college. Ryan, a very bright lad, continued his education and training for the priesthood at St. Procopius College in Lysel, Illinois, operated by the Benedictine Fathers of St. Procopius Abbey. In 1952, after obtaining a B.A. in classical languages, he went to St. Procopius Seminary to complete his, pre, his preliminary theological studies. Although Ryan studied under two religious orders, the Benedictines and the Passionist Fathers, in the end he became a diocesan priest. He was ordained for the Joliet Diocese by Bishop Martin McNamara on May third, 1956. During the early years of his priesthood, he served as associate pastor in four Joliet parishes and then as pastor of St. Thaddeus Parish in Joliet. In St. Michael's in Wheaton, Illinois. In late 1950s, Ryan attended the Pontifical Lateran University in Rome to complete his postgraduate studies. After earning his JCL in Canon Law in 1960, Ryan returned to his home diocese of Joliet. He served at the Joliet Chancery under three bishops, Martin, McNamara, Romeo Ray, Roy Blanchette, and joseph l emesh after his initial posting in the diocese chancery ryan served as assistant chancellor chancellor and vicar general and personal advisor for diocesan clergy following the resignation of bishop blanchette emesh the former faithful lieutenant of detroit's john cardinal dearden became bishop of Joliet on august the 28th 1979 he kept Ryan on as Chancellor. You have a little sip of coffee here. Emesh, <coughs> I believe, is the one that ordained our present Bishop of Lansing, Boyer. You can Wikipedia your, your uh, bishops, and you'll see their their lines, their heraldry, who who they replaced, who ordained them. And I'm going by memory, but I think it was Emesh. As, as Chancellor, part of Ryan's responsibility was to investigate cases of sexual abuse by diocesan priests. Ryan didn't have to look far. Since the early 1970s and continuing through the 1980s, St. Raymond's, the Bishop's Cathedral, had been turned into a popular hunting ground by homosexual clergy. Now that's what I've witnessed to. They do have hunting grounds. So you've got to know that. And if you got children and you're sending them into the church, you know, one of their uh, recruitment is, oh, this is gone, this is gone. Well, it's not gone until we can have a voice to counter that, okay? Don't let them lull you into sleep, and particularly if you are a low-info Catholic like me, brought up on only half the information. Those are your children. You should protect them. And one way to protect them is we want a presence when people lobby we want lobbyists for the bishop and our bishop has admitted uh there's a lobby there's a gay lobby and he and they need to be respected the aging homosexual clergy have to be respected we don't want to offend him them that's my understanding that's the, pos- the bishop's position or it was now maybe he's changed that but uh and they will do a lot to avoid uh being being uh found out or, 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 or challenged on that but <clears throat> i mean that being uh, you get a photograph of them with their hand in a cookie jar that ain't gonna happen but you have circumstances but in this case i think the bishop was taped and uh, the tape is public and i think uh, that he is admitting that he has does not want to offend the aging homosexual clergy fine I want to be there, and I want him to also say, complete the sentence, and I don't want to offend the aging uh, non-homosexual clergy, and also I don't want to offend the aging homosexuals that are laity, or I don't want to offend the aging laity. They all have a right to lobby the bishop, so we should register the lobbies. I want to be in that room. I want to be at that table to lobby. and call me Brother Sharp Elbow. I want a piece of the action. I want to be there to argue for the restoration of community that's been destroyed. I want to be there to argue for the restoration of doctrine that's been destroyed. And I'd like to get some, uh, uh, let to get that crucifix back to the front. I want to get Randy Angle out there. Let me continue. There was Father Richard uh, Rufalo. This is the 10 minute we're right about 10 minutes at close to the end and, and uh, there was Father Richard Rufalo who taught religion at the Cathedral School in Parish. He was a popular preacher especially with traditionalist parishioners and said the Tridentine mass at Holy Cross Church in Joliet. Unfortunately, Rufalo also had a secret life as a sophisticated groomer and abuser of teenage boys, some of whom he took out on took on out of state out, he took on out of state trips to Las Vegas. He was also a thief, stealing large amounts of money from the collection plate plate, to pay for his various recreational outings. While teaching at St. Raymond's, Ruffalo had the habit of pulling boys out of class and bringing them to the rectory where they had had access to cigars, beer, and unconsecrated wine. According to Ted Slowick, a staff writer for the Herald News, other priests at St. Raymond's also contributed to the delinquency of minors by providing the schoolboys with alcohol and letting them drive their cars in order to manipulate the young men into sexual relationships. When Ruffalo died, he left a debt of $95,150, mostly credit card debt, and at least two lawsuits for sexual molestation behind him. There was also the equally popular father, Lawrence Mullins, who was a favorite of the Reverend Thomas O'Keefe, the rector and pastor of St. Raymond's from 1969 to 1985. When the morally upright O'Keeffe was stricken with cancer and took to living a fairly secluded life on the second floor of the rectory, Mullins and his friends took advantage of his absence to molest boys on the first floor. Mullins, ordained in 1977, kept a stash of homosexual porn at the rectory that he used to stimulate the young boy's sexual curiosity. He used the confessional to call potential victims by questioning male students about masturbation. Among his victims and their classmates, he had a reputation for being that way, and some boys went out of their way to avoid him at all costs. At least five men have come forward to attest that Mullins molested them while they were students at St. Raymond's. They said he would force his hand down their pants and fondle their genitals. In 1983, Bishop Emesh transferred Mullins to another parish. Mullins generally left, eventually left the priesthood for health reasons and resettled in Washington, D.C., and later in Alexandria, Virginia. In a 2002 press interview, Bishop Mamesh said he had no idea why Mullins left the priesthood in 1993. However, according to reporter Slowick, a letter written by Auxiliary Bishop Roger Kafer, on August 19, 1997, regarding Mullins' current status, indicated that the priest had been removed from active ministry by the diocese several years before. Obviously, this action could not have taken place without the knowledge and approval of Bishop Amesh. Finally, there was Father Anthony J. A. J. A.J. Ross, who competed for boys with Mullins. Ross, who served at the Cathedral Parish from 1977 to 1980, came from a fairly wealthy family and usually outdid Mullins when it came to buying gifts to so- seduce young boys. Like many sexual predators, Ross had a hideaway, a family-owned cabin near Lake Geneva where he entertained boys and plied them without liquor. In 1981, Mullins managed to get Ross transferred to St. Peter the Apostle Itasca. Fellow molester Rufalo had also served at St. Peter's under Pastor Donald Rock, another clerical monster who was later removed for alleged sexual misconduct. <clears throat> One evening, Ross had two boy visitors from St. Raymond's stay overnight with him at the rectory, during the night, he assaulted one of the young men, a fifteen-year-old, and performed a sexual act upon the boy. The next morning, the priest acted as if nothing had happened. In January 1983, Bishop Amesh ordered Ross into counseling at a house of affirmative affirmation at a house of affirmation affiliate in Montera, Montera, California, where the priest was free to visit the beach and work out at Gold's Gym in San Francisco. After Ross returned to the Joliet Diocese, despite Amesh's and Kaffer's promises to the 15-year-old boys family that the priest would not be permitted to continue parish work, Ross went on to staff three other churches in DuPage County. In nineteen ninety three, Ross's victims, victim courageously confronted Bishop Amesh and demanded that Ross be removed from the priesthood, instead, emesh sent Ross to the Diocese of Santa Rosa, where the newly installed Patrick Zeman gave the predatory priest sanctuary. Zeman, however, was forced to remove Ross from his post as prison chaplain when the priest began to act out again. All three of the above cases involved the liberal cash flow. Priests spending an inordinate amount of time with teenage boys and tipsy young boys staggering out of the rectory, Yet no one in authority at St. Raymond's gave the matter a second thought, including Chancellor Ryan, who was soon rewarded for his blinders and loyalty to Bishop Amesh. I'm going to conclude there because Ryan installed as Bishop will pick up at 814. And I'm going to... We got uh, a point that I want to make here. Another one, 814. I like the word sanctuary. And I'm going to use that This is how I pick this up. And uh, they asked me, where do you get these buzzwords? I'm not that creative. So I see that in there. So, Therese, I see that in there and I say, "Wow, sanctuary. Why can't they give sanctuary to evil, to uh, predators? Why can't they give sanctuary to us or to you or to me? Sanctuary for goodness. Where can Bill get sanctuary? Where can these people who are kicked out of these nesting communities get sanctuary?" We're like herds of uh, wildebeest flowing around the diocese, so we're learning the language they use. we're learning how to talk speak in this it's just like a new language it's it's a uh, it's a linguistic community, and uh we'll master it. it takes a little longer we're 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 uh I guess you'd say from their point of view, we're not professional Catholics. We're not full-time Catholics. They are. They get paid for being Catholic. We don't. And uh, so if you can, I would urge you to get control of the money. You get control of the money, <clears throat> then you can control some of the behaviors. Their hearts and minds will follow. Doesn't mean they'll consent, but at least you stop uh, the production of evil. At least you begin to do what John of the Cross says. You endeavor to be inclined always. And we go into that. Let's conclude with that. Uh, Let me put my markers in it. I got to put my marker in where we stopped at, or I will never know where we stopped at. And uh, I got that. Always be inclined, always be inclined, uh, endeavor to be inclined always to be not to the easiest, but to the most difficult, not to the most delightful, but to the harshest. Not to the most gratifying, but to the least pleasant, the less pleasant. Not to what means rest for you, but to hard work. Not to the consoling, but to the unconsoling. Not to the most, but to the least. Not to the highest and most precious, but to the lowest and most despised. Not to wanting something, but to wanting nothing. Do not go about looking for the best of temporal things, but for the worst. And desire to enter for Christ into complete nudity emptiness and poverty and everything in the world. I'm going to go on. This is number seven. I didn't say that again. We got a little time here. You should embrace these practices earnestly and try to overcome the repugnance of your will toward them. If you sincerely put them into practice with order and discretion, you will discover in them great delight and consolation. These counsels, number eight, these counsels, if truly carried out, are sufficient for entry into the night of senses. But they give, but that we give abundant enough counsel here is another exercise which teaches the mortification of the concupiscence of the flesh, the concupiscence of the eyes, and the pride of life, which as St. John says, reign in the world and gives rise to all other appetites. That's 1 John 2, 16. So we'll, we'll pick up there later. So uh, I hope that's helpful. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.